Hi, everyone, and Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Law Chat with John and Amy. I'm John Yulian. And I'm Amy Bliafico. This week's question is, how can a complaint for divorce be misleading? Amy, I think the best place to start is with what elements go on a complaint for divorce. And if you were to look at uh, a complaint for divorce, it has pretty straightforward information. It has who is the plaintiff, meaning the person filing for the divorce, who is the spouse referred to as the defendant, you put the name, what county is it in, then you list the address for the plaintiff, you list the address for the defendant, uh, where the parties were married, uh, when the parties were married, when the parties last lived together, what address they lived together at when they last lived together. If there are any minor children of the marriage, that gets listed. Um, whether there have been any prior um, proceedings concerning these parties. So that could be maybe there was a restraining order uh, matter previously, or there could be none. And then it says on a particular date, uh, there was, for example, an irretrievable breakdown of the marriage, or it could be these are the grounds um, someone is suing for under the divorce, where they're claiming um, cruel and abusive treatment or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the clause where it says, here's what I'm requesting, what they referred to as the wherefore clause. Here's what I'm looking for in the divorce. And then it gets signed and dated. So with what I just described, Amy, it seems like a complaint for divorce is fairly straightforward. Yeah, it is straightforward, except that um, the wherefore section can be a little bit misleading. So one of the sections in the wherefore um, it talks about custody of the kids and your option is to choose plaintiff or defendant gets custody of the kids. Well, what if you agree that you guys should have joint custody of the kids? You're obviously going to choose yourself because you don't want to give up your rights to custody down the, the line. But when your spouse receives it, if they don't understand that, they could look at it and say, hey, my spouse is trying to take my kids from me. And that can cause some drama. Another another area um, that it can cause a little bit drama is for the support section. There's a line that says um, order a suitable amount of support. Um, and a few weeks ago, if you're in the pop culture world, um, a former bachelorette and her husband, um, he filed for divorce at the beginning of the year and he checked this box off. And the internet a little bit went crazy saying, hey, he's a successful person. Why does he need support? Why would he choose that? And you choose it because it, maybe he doesn't know what she makes or maybe he is entitled to support. But if you don't check it on the complaint, you can't ask a judge for it at the end of your divorce. You can always go back and amend your complaint to do it, but you don't get it if you don't ask for it. So strategically, when you're filing your complaint for divorce, you're going to ask for everything, even if you think maybe realistically, you're not going to end up with it at the end. That is what I assume his attorneys were doing. And obviously, they weren't they weren't filing Massachusetts, but same kind of strategy. You want to ask for it up front because you're not going to get it if you don't ask for it. 
And another good example, Amy, following along the ones you just gave, in the Wherefore section, there's a, 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 a section where you can put in, if you're requesting a conveyance of the real estate, and you put um, the book and page number of the uh, uh, from the Registry of Deeds of the property you're looking to have transferred. And once again, someone will oftentimes check that box and say they're looking for a transfer of what was the marital home. Mm -hmm. And the spouse will get the complaint for divorce. And as you say, it creates animosity right from the get-go because the spouse is taking it to mean that this person is looking to get the entire house, even though they maybe have been married for 25 years, have had the house the entire time, they both contributed. Well, once again, the spouse is just checking the box that, yes, I'm requesting this. Doesn't mean they really believe they're entitled to it, but they don't want to not at least be requesting it on the initial complaint. Um, so I think it's critical people not overreact to what is on the divorce complaint. Yeah, the Massachusetts complaint has uh, like six or so, six or seven checkboxes in that wherefore section. It cannot possibly encompass everything that you're trying to say in a nuanced way. It just is impossible on this form. So um, I think that's why it's helpful to maybe talk to an attorney when you get the complaint before you um, react or um, or think that you understand exactly what's going on um, because there's a, there's a strategy in how you do it. And then there's also just, these are the only options to choose. So you, you're kind of left um, checking whatever's there. Um, in the end, what someone puts on their complaint doesn't have a huge impact most of the time in a divorce. It really only matters if you end up going to trial or you have to have a judge decide. Um, because ultimately 99% of divorces end in a um, negotiated agreement. Um, so, but it is best practices to ask for anything that you might be entitled to um, right at the beginning. I think that's great, Amy. And I think that's a good place to stop for today. I agree. Thanks for joining Law Chats with John and Amy. We look forward to chatting with you again next time. If you have a question or comment, feel free to email us at info at yulianlaw.com. Remember that Law Chats with John and Amy is intended as a general reference and considered general advertising, and listeners should check for changes to any applicable laws and consult with an attorney on any legal issue. The information provided does not constitute legal advice, and any thoughts or commentary by the podcasting lawyers is provided as a service of the community and does not constitute solicitation of legal advice. The lawyers in the law firm of Yulian Associates PC make no warranties and disclaim all liabilities for damages resulting from its use. Nothing provided in the podcast should be considered a substitute for advice from counsel. No attorney-client relationship is formed by listening or participating in this podcast, and in the event that the podcast receives emails about the subject matter, no attorney-client relationship is created via the email communication.